Hey, this is Nikki McCrary, lead pastor at Eastern Heights Baptist Church in Statesboro, Georgia, where we exist to be a life-changing church. So as you listen, I pray that you will be encouraged in your walk with Christ and that your life will be forever changed as you grow in your relationship with Him. Well, good morning, church. Good to see all of you. Thank you for coming today. I want to welcome all of you who are our guests today. There are a lot of great churches in our city, and uh, we count it a special privilege for you to be visiting with us today. And I uh, hope that you enjoy the worship experience. I want to greet all those watching online as well and listening by podcast. Uh, I hope you get as much out of the message today as I have preparing for it. I've been excited about this message for a couple of weeks now. I've, I, it's spoken to me, and what a great worship song that we just had about you know letting go and even when we don't know everything, just trusting God. We're going to be talking about that some today. You know, back in September, we started this series called Unstoppable. Can you believe we've been there since September? Been, been a minute. So I want to just kind of bring everybody up because I know that we do have some new folks here today. But um, we actually wrapped up the second part of a three-part series um, last week. And so just to you know, kind of review a little bit, we've been through chapters 1 through 8 where we studied about the first church that is birthed. It leaves Jerusalem, like Jesus said, to go to Judea and Samaria. But then he said to go to the ends of the earth, which meant they were going to have to go beyond cultural and racial lines to do that. That was going to be something new. The first few chapters of Acts, we see the church is still a Jewish movement, going only to Jewish people who were accepting a Jewish Messiah, and then they were only telling other Jewish people about that, right? But God's plan was it for it to be a global church, and he had a world vision, so he has to get them to make this huge shift in their thinking. And that's where we got to the middle part of the books of, uh, of Acts uh, in chapters 9 through 15 that we just kind of wrapped up last week, where we see God's plan beginning to emerge as more of a global movement. You remember in chapter 9 we saw Saul who became Paul, and he became the first missionary uh, to the Gentiles, right? And then in chapter 10, we see the Roman soldier and Gentile by the name of Cornelius who came to know Jesus, and he was kind of the test subject uh, for this Gentile thing, right? And then we see in chapters 13 and 14 where Paul goes on the first mission trip ever, and he goes to take the gospel exclusively to the Gentile people. And then last week in chapter 15, we saw where all this had run into all kinds of things that could have stopped it. And so they got together with this big church council meeting, right? And they tried to come up with a decision that would get everybody together and decide if we are actually going to be for this new movement or not. Are we going to do this thing or not? We've got to decide before we go any further if we're going to take this gospel and reach different nationalities and different races. Is it a go or no? And so they came to the conclusion at this council meeting that all people can come to Jesus, but that all people must come to him the same way, and that is through grace. And we studied about that last week, grace alone. Whether Jew or Greek, we all come to Jesus through him and nothing else. And so Christianity would be unlike any of the religions that existed in that day because it would be Jesus plus nothing. It would be Jesus plus none of the traditions, Jesus plus none of the rules, Jesus plus you don't have to be circumcised, 
and especially one that everybody was going on, and that was, it's not going to be Jesus plus your good works. So they made Jesus alone, alone. They left that decision alone. It's just going to be about Jesus. So that's where we're going to pick up today with this movement that is called Christianity. We're going to be studying this last portion in chapter 16 through 28 today. We're going to be in chapter 16, though, and we're calling it God's unstoppable purpose. And we're going to learn why Christianity became this unstoppable movement that we have going on even today. But to do that, I want us to do something you're not supposed to do, right? I'm known for that sometimes. But anyway, we're going to go to the last chapter. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to tell it to you. But it's going to be the last chapter of Acts and the very last verse. It's talking about Paul. It says, He bravely preached about God's kingdom and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ, and no one tried to stop him. No one tried to stop him. All this time through the whole books of Acts, everybody had been trying to stop him. Everything had been trying to stop him. And then we come to the end, and he could not be stopped. So Paul, he's here at Rome. He's in the heart of the ends of the earth. And the reason why we care about this is you need to understand, you and I are now the ends of the earth. I don't know if you realize that or not, but if you go back, almost every single person listening to my voice right now, whether you're in the room or online or, or, or you listen by podcast, you go back and trace your, your uh, ancestry. You either came from Europe or Africa. And so we are now the ends of the earth, and we are now a part of God's global mission. I mean, we're it, right? And so when Paul comes back from the mission trip, and he reported back to the Cindy church, the church at Antioch, about all the good things that God was doing, all the people that were getting saved, and all the wonderful signs and miracles that God had opened up, they come up with God's big yes. Yes, you're doing the right thing. Yes, keep going. Yes, keep up the good work. This is my plan. You're doing my will. And so Paul couldn't wait to pursue God's big yes. But then those of you that have studied the Word, you know he got a very surprising no. And so that's... You'll need to turn off airplane mode. Oh, okay. <laughs> I hope that does not come on again. I am not in airplane mode. But anyway, uh, maybe I need to turn off airplane mode. I don't know. We'll see in a second. All right. The question is this. It happens, man. It just happens. So if you're taking notes, write this down because it's huge. And the reason why that happens is because this is so huge. We have to ask ourselves and answer the question today, what will you do when God says no? What will you do when God says no? It's a big question. Let's dig into it. Verse 6. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia, but again the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So let's just get real for a minute. You ever had the feeling that God was sending you a mixed message in your life? Well, most of you know I love golf. I've been playing golf since I was like six years old, right? So it reminds me of the story of the guy that was out golfing. He teed up the ball, and between him and the hole, there was this huge body of water, this big lake. Now, he thought that he could hit the ball over that lake, but just to be safe, he put his new ball back into the bag, and he got out an old ball. You golfers, you know what I'm talking about, right? 
He didn't want to lose that new ball because they cost a lot. And so just as he got ready to try to hit that ball over the water, he heard this voice from heaven say, hey, you need to get that new ball back out of the bag. Well, okay. So he went over there and he got the new ball out of the bag and he teed it up. Just as he's about to swing, he heard that voice from heaven again and said, hey, you need to take a practice swing. And so he did. Just as he's about to try to hit that new ball over the water, God said, or the voice from heaven came back and says, hey, you need to get that old ball back out of the bag again. So, you know, maybe all of us have had that point where we sometimes feel like even God is sending us mixed signals in our life, right? I mean, didn't Jesus say go into all the world? And isn't Asia part of the world? I mean, Paul wanted to go there. There were no churches in Asia. There were no Christians in Asia. Asia needed to hear about Jesus. Paul wanted to go there. But the Spirit of God told Paul, no, you cannot go there. Same thing with Bithynia. Paul wanted to go, but the Spirit said no. Now, we don't know how the Spirit told Paul no. The Bible doesn't allude to it. I mean, it might have been a vision or dream. It might have been a a close friend or one of the other disciples that God used. We, We don't know. But here's the thing I think is important. Paul got a clear no without getting a clear what now. And I don't know about y'all, but that frustrates the stew out of me when that happens. I don't mind to know, but I want to know why, right? He heard no, but he did not hear do this instead. And so I'm not sure if you realize it or not, but because God is God, he doesn't need your permission to change your plans. He also doesn't need to explain why he changed your plans and what you're supposed to do next, because he's God. And life kind of deals this to us at an early age, right? really does. Mom, can I go out and play? No. Why not? Because I said so, that's why. Now, how many of you like hearing no? <laughs> I thought so. None of us like to hear no, especially when it doesn't come with a good reason, right? And so, even when we hear no from God, it doesn't make it any less frustrating. That's why I'm excited to tell you about God's word for us today. Because what would you have done if you had been Paul? I mean, would you have gotten discouraged and just given up and gone home and said, you know, God, I've tried this twice with you and you've shut the door both times. I'm taking my Bible and I'm going home. Has that been what you've done? You see, Paul understood God's no meant having an open agenda. So we're learning today, as Paul did, that God's no does not mean over but it absolutely is the key to understanding what having an unstoppable purpose in your life is going to be made of. So that's what Paul does. He presses on, verse 8. So instead, instead of what? Instead of going to the other two places he wanted to go, they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to the Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. So if you're taking notes, here's our lesson so far. Sometimes, sometimes you have to pass by your own plans to get to God's purpose. Now we know that, but that's not easy. Sometimes we have to pass by our own plans to get to God's purpose. When's the last time you did that? Because open agendas lead 
two open doors. What we think is plan B is actually heaven's plan A. And we just didn't realize it. Y'all remember the great missionary William Carey, right? Did a phenomenal work in India, but that wasn't his plan A. His plan A was to go to Polynesia. But heaven's plan B was to send him to India where he did a great work. David Livingston, the great missionary to Africa, that was not his plan A. His plan A was to go to China, right? But heaven's plan was to send him to Africa. Because up to this point, Christianity had been an Eastern religion. And Paul was Asian, and so he wanted to take the message of the gospel to Asia. But God said, you know what? I'm thinking Europe. And when God gives us a new direction, there's only one proper response to it, and that is to get going with God's direction and do it as quick as you can, and that's exactly what they did. Verse 11, we boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across to the island of Samothrace, and the next day we landed in Neapolis. From there we reached Philippi, major city of that district, that's important, of Macedonia and a Roman colony. This is where a lot of people were. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. We sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshipped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying, which was the gospel. She and her household were baptized, and she asked us to be her guest. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. So what's going on here is Paul had always had the strategy. You know what? I'm going to go to the Jew first. I'm going to go to the synagogue, and then I'll go to the Gentiles. But he's in this Roman colony here where Roman soldiers go to retire. And to have a synagogue, you have to have at least... 10 Jewish men, so they didn't have that. So they didn't have a synagogue to go to on the Sabbath. But Paul knew that if there were people there that were worshiping God in the only way that they knew how at that time, that they would be somewhere gathered together on the Sabbath worshiping God because that's what people who love God do is they get together on the Sabbath and they worship God. And so when the Sabbath rolled around, Paul said, we're going down the river and we're going to find that man from Macedonia. And when he got down there, what did he find? He found a woman, plan A's and plan B's, right? Her name was Lydia. And by all accounts, she was a great lady. She was moral, she was upright, she was religious, and she was there to worship God the only way that she had been taught, right? So she was a good lady, but you know what? She wasn't saved. She didn't know Jesus as her personal Lord and Savior. She needed to get saved. Just like Cornelius back in chapter 10 and 11, he was a moral man. He was upright. He was religious, right? He was a good man, but he and Lydia both did not know Jesus, even though they worshiped God as they knew how to do it and the way they were taught. They didn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. They didn't know about what Jesus had done on the cross. And when they heard about it, though, they believed and became Christians. Because you know what? No one, no one is saved by their goodness. They're only saved through Jesus. It's not goodness that washes our sins away. It is the blood of Jesus that washes our sins away, folks. And so Lydia, she accepts Jesus, and immediately she's baptized, right? I mean, she's right there at the river. 
And that's why we studied a couple weeks ago. Is if you ask Jesus into your heart, he becomes your Savior, you become a Christian, you immediately get baptized as soon as you can. And then like we studied early on, when the lost get saved, it's life-changing. Grumpy people become nicer people. You're supposed to give some kind of reaction to that. Okay? Grumpy people become nicer people. I didn't say nice people. I said nicer people, okay? And you know what? Greedy people become givers. Because Jesus changes us from the inside out. And that's exactly what happened with Lydia. She opened her home, and her home became the first church ever established in Europe. And it became one of Paul's favorite churches, and they showed him more attention. They supported him more than any other church in his ministry. But don't miss this. All of this happened because Paul would not let his no stop him from his commitment to the purpose of God. And we cannot let our no stop us from completing the purpose God has for our lives. So we're learning that closed doors, hear me folks, closed doors are not a rebuke. When God says no to your plans, it doesn't mean he's mad at you. It means he's got something better for you. Now let's just take this church wide for a minute. Next month we will be in our third year of trying to find our next right staff person. Right? And we've gone down three different paths to do it. We're currently on one now where we're getting a lot of no's. And the doors are being closed one right after the other. And so some of us think, well, we're being rebuked. Some of us think, well, we're out of God's will. And some of us just don't understand that God's no doesn't mean he's mad at us. Or that he's against us. It means he's got a better plan. Proverbs 16, 9 can't be read enough. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Now I want to take it back personal. You. I want you to think about the last time God rejected your plan. Your plan A. What you thought was God's will for your life. Please don't interpret that to mean that God has rejected you. Because that's not the way it is. But I don't want you to leave today that thinking your missed opportunity is all about the sovereignty of God and that alone. I need you to understand the truth is sometimes it's our own um, irresponsibility, if we can say that. For example, well, I didn't get into law school, so I guess God closed that door. No, you didn't get into law school because you never went to class, you partied instead of studying, and your grades stink. That's why you didn't get into law school. Well, I didn't get that promotion at work, so I guess God closed that door. No. You didn't get the promotion at work because you're the last one there, you're the first one to leave, and you do the bare minimum to get by. That's why you didn't get the promotion. Well, I guess God don't ever want me to get married because he has sure slammed that door shut. Well, maybe. But more than likely, it's because you're 29 years old, you still live in your mother's basement, you play video games all day instead of getting you a J-O-B. And so just keeping it real, if you are irresponsible, lazy, and disobedient, don't give God credit for opportunities you're not getting. All right? It's not on Him. And a lot of you are not there. You're not in that place today. I mean, you're here today because you love God. You're obeying God. You want more of the great things that God has for you. That's why you're here. And yet, the doors keep closing. So listen to me, folks. This, this, this is so big from God's Word today. 
The doors are keep closing on you. You'd love to get married and have a family. You would love to get that promotion at work that you're working 100% to get. You would love to be in a ministry where you feel like you're making a difference and your life has purpose. And you're trying. You're trying your best, but the door still gets shut in your face. What do you do? Well, I'm glad you asked because I believe there's at least three things real quick that we can remember to help us because we all go to that place where the door gets slammed, but it's so frustrating, is it not? So what do we do? How do we handle that better? God's going to give us some stuff today. Number one, don't let no stop your trust in his purposes. Every no is going to bring a faith crisis. It always does. Remember Mary and Martha when they called for Jesus to come quickly? He's dying. You can heal him. And Jesus says, no, I'll be there when I get there. I mean, why would God say no to what seemed to be a good thing? A sick child being healed. Why would God say no to such a good thing? Isn't that the question running around in your head today? Why would God say no to the good things I'm trying to do in my life and the doors just keep getting slammed shut? I don't, I don't get it. I think it's so significant that we understand today that Paul didn't know why God said no. He didn't know. God didn't give him that. But it didn't matter because Paul had already decided that he would trust God in the no. Because you know what? God is good even when I don't understand. Is he not? Can we trust that when we get a no, that God knows something we don't know yet? Is that where you're at in your walk? Have you gone that deep in your relationship with the Lord that when the door slams shut and you get that no, that you can say, well, you know what? It's frustrating, but God, you, you've got something better. I just don't know what it is yet, but you do. I want, to, I want you to think about a time in your own life when your plan B was always plan A. Because, you know, when you think about how God gets us from where we are to where he wants us to be, I don't know about you, but it's rarely a straight line. But then, when you look back at where God has brought you to, there is no way, because you realize the path that you would have never taken on your own is the path now that you would never go back and change because it's so good. So even when God says no to our plans, he will always say yes to his mission. We just have to keep looking for it. Second thing is this. Don't let no stop your vision for his purposes. You know, I have 20-20 vision for my purposes. And so sometimes when we say, God sure opened up that door, that's Christian talk for I got my way. Right? I mean, let's just be real. The problem with that is when the opposite thing happens and we don't get our way, we say, well, God sure closed that door and we blame God for it. So what we're learning this morning is that instead of praying God into our agenda, what we need to start praying for is that we be led into his agenda, right? Paul had to face this huge decision. Is it my goal to try and fit God into my plans, or is it for me to try to envision what God's plans are for me and get in on his plan? So again, we learn that God's plans will always 
include us. But don't miss this, folks. It will never be about us. And there's a big difference. See, a lot of us get confused. We think God's plans with us is about us. It'll never be that way. God's plans always include us, but they are never about us. God has never been obligated to do anything beyond opening doors that accomplishes his plans. And we need to quit living and going about life like it does because it's not a good look when we blame God for things that's not his fault. You've all heard of Mount Everest, right? The tallest mountain in the world. It's in Nepal and Tibet, China, kind of the border there that sits on that. Back in 1996, there was a big expedition that a best-selling book was written about called Into Thin Air by John Krotkauer. In that book, he tells the story of a female Japanese climber by the name of Yasuka Namba. And that's the best Japanese you're ever going to get from me. Okay, but that was her name. She had climbed seven of the tallest peaks in the world, but Everest, that was her ultimate goal. So much so that she would push past all the other climbers trying to get there. Well, on this expedition, reports of bad weather started coming in, and the smartest thing for all of them to do would have been to stay right where they were and to ride that bad weather out before they continued. But you know what? Yasuka, she would not be deterred. And so she continued on to the top, and you know what? She made it. She reached her ultimate goal. But before she could get back down, she succumbed to the elements, and she froze to death on the top of Mount Everest. And in his book, Krakauer, he says that she did something that no experienced climber would ever do, and that is she thought the goal was to get to the top, but the real goal is to get back to the bottom. And so it reminds us today, if you're going about life with the wrong goal, it can destroy you. God doesn't exist to make much of us, folks. We exist to make much of him. Colossians 1.16 says everything was created through him and for him. That everything includes us, right? You find your purpose by pursuing the purposes of God, and that's why the world is so messed up. We have no purpose because we're going about our own things when we need to be going after God's goals. So what we're learning is God's not obligated to make our lives comfortable. God did not create you so he could spend the rest of your life opening doors that keep you comfortable. We like comfortable, though, don't we? I mean, we're Americans living in the United States of America. God's not committed to that. What he is committed to is opening doors that will lead you to a purposeful life, and we need to learn to go for that instead of the other. But our dilemma is we tend to go after what we can see, what we know, and what we understand. If we can't see it, if we don't know it, we can't understand it, we just kind of back off from it. But that's why Paul's writing this to us today. It's to help us when that next door gets slammed in our face to know what to do. And so Paul began to understand, and that, so he wrote about it so we could learn about it, so that we could understand more about it, that it is this. God is going to open doors that are going to take you beyond your comfort zone sometimes. He just is. If you don't like it, you should have never gotten into Christianity. God is going to intentionally open doors to places you never thought about going. That's why I always skip mission day at seminary. I was afraid God would call me there. 
It's a joke. But we do that, don't we, in our lives? We do. We kind of avoid anything that might put us in a place where God would call us to some place we didn't intend on going. And it might not be Africa, but it might be somewhere else in Statesboro. It's just uncomfortable. And he'll always call us into opportunities that we never imagined for ourselves because God is just so much bigger than we are. But you know what? All the things that he calls us into, they will always align with his purposes for our life. So that brings us to our final point today. Don't let no stop your pursuit of his purposes. And I want to be clear before we go. This is the way I interpret God's word. It's not wrong to try a good thing that God might stop. You listening? It is not wrong to try a good thing that God might stop. It wasn't wrong for Paul to want to go to Asia. Matter of fact, God let him go back to Asia later. And he stayed at Ephesus for a long time. It wasn't wrong for Paul to want to go to Bithynia. Matter of fact, in 1 Peter 1, we see where he, uh, or the word gospel is, is taken to Bithynia. It was all in God's timing. God never rebuked Paul for wanting to do the things that he wanted to do. And God is not rebuking you for that good thing that you thought was God's plan A, but God has now stopped it for the moment. He's not rebuking you for that. It is not wrong to try a good thing that God might stop. It is wrong, however, to stop pursuing the next good thing. Paul knew the what, and that was to make disciples. He just didn't know the where. You know what? We know the what too, don't we? We know that we're to love God, we're to follow Jesus, we're to live for Jesus, we're to tell other people about Jesus. That's the what. We've got that. And I promise you, if you'll stick with the what, God will take you to the right where that he wants you to be. And so later, Paul would write from a prison cell in Rome, which was probably not, again, his plan A, unless somewhere along the way he just got to liking prison food. I don't know. But I don't think it was his plan A. And he wrote these words in Philippians 1.12. He said, I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything, good and bad, that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. God doesn't waste anything. God never wastes a no in our lives. And sometimes you have to pass by your own plans to get to God's purpose. So if you're taking notes, write this last thing down. Because you've got to answer this question. The next time God says no, what will you be doing to pursue the next best thing. Let's pray together. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. As we come to this very important time of invitation, it is a time that is very real because closed doors are frustrating, Scott. They're very frustrating. And even though we realize in our minds that you might have something better for us, it's still difficult and challenging at best to follow that. So today we pray that that is exactly what we would have the heart to do, is to have an open agenda to what your plans are when our plans seem to come back with the answer of no. Father, when that happens, help us to go after and to pursue the next best thing because you have a plan and a purpose for each of us. And we ask it in Jesus' name.
And all God's people said, hey, it is with that plan. We leave today to be the life-changing church that God's called us to be in the way that you're going to go about living life. Let's all stand as we worship together this morning. We hope you were encouraged by this message today. If you would like more details on our church, please visit us at ehbcstatesboro.org.